Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we'll do our best to let you know they're coming. Hey, it's fall, or so they say. This week, we're running down what pop culture is coming your way for the rest of the year. Think TV, streaming movies, and music, but don't hold us to release dates because Justin didn't put his in and then made me take mine out of my Hermione-like reviews. And besides, those are, how do you say aspirational these days? How you say anarchy? Anarchy. Anarchy! Okay, as always, a plea to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app or the app of your choice, except Amazon, because just Bezos hates us and will not allow you to make a review there. And that's our plea to do that. We are now going into our main topic, because that's the thing we do now, which is the rest of our 2020 preview. And Justin, what are you looking forward to? Well, first of all, I wanted to start with uh, the caveat that today is a perfect day to be recording this because, um, as you mentioned up top, these uh, release dates are very subject to change. Uh, Just today it was announced West Side Story, The Eternals, Black Widow all moved well into next year. So who knows? Either things are going to come out and like 10 people are going to see them in theaters or they will go straight to some streaming service um, or they will be moved. So we don't really know. (laughs) I think they moved uh, West Side Story in order for people to uh, forget that Ansel or Elgort has had some issues recently. Oh, no. I don't some, think I knew those issues. I may or may not have done something crappy to an underage girl who says that I did pressure her into sex when she was 17. And I say, oh, I'm sorry I ghosted you. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Elgort, I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> I liked you. You had charisma, but like not not that much. <laughs> not that much. Not that um, much. So yeah, so things we're gonna basically first go through a couple things that are technically supposed to be coming out in theaters <laughs> in quotes. Right. Uh, those may likely move or just go to streaming. Um, and as Fanny said, also yeah, we're not giving dates, so you'll have to look this stuff up. Um, first off, we have. Amamite, I, don't, I think that's how you say it, um, is Kate Winslet and Shersha Ronan. It is a lesbian period piece from the same guy who did In God's Country, which was a queer film that came out a couple years ago that everybody really liked. Um, and that sounds great. Uh, no Time to Die. We have Craig's last Bond outing. Um, normally, I wouldn't be that excited about this, but it is Phoebe Waller-Bridge doing some screenwriting it, stuff. It, um, some cool cast. Um, I like Craig enough as Bond that I hope they go out sort of big. Also, Dave loves going to Bond movies, so that's just mm-hmm. part of our tradition. It's going to be very sad if we cannot go see it in the theaters, and yet it is out in theaters somewhere in the world <laughs> with less Road of a... trip! Yeah. <laughs> um, Soul, the Pixar movie with Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey. It is about jazz uh, musician, and it's about the afterlife. Um, I'm bitched a bit about Pixar movies feeling a little lazy. I mean, some of them lately. This one, you know, the, I, I like the you know, the, the pitch here. The paper, on paper, it sounds interesting at least. Um, and I think it's the first one yet that's focused on an African-American character, so there's that too. 
um, Nomad, Nomadland, which has been getting a bunch of buzz, um, some sort of film festival, I forget which. Uh, it's Chloe Zhao, who also is handling The Eternals, which was pushed back, you know, a year today. Uh, this is Francis McDormand uh, driving around in a van uh, during the Great Recession. This is based on a novel, I believe, um, but it's getting good buzz. That's a pretty good combo. I think I will definitely be checking that out no matter where it drops. Um, At grappling slash movie night, um, we watched Blood Simple, the Coen brothers' very first movie. Frances McDormand, A, is so young and so beautiful, but has been great since forever. <laughs> She's so, so good. She, she I really will watch her in anything. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, what else? Dune, uh, Denis Villeneuve, um, Chamelet. You've all seen the preview. I think he looks like Edward Scissorhands in the poster. Um, I'm excited to see this just because it's big, epic, silly sci-fi. I don't even like Dune as the book. Um, but I liked Blade Runner 2049 or whatever enough that I'm going to yeah, definitely we like that. give this a chance. Um, I don't know if right. we only liked it because we were sitting in comfortable chairs and having pizza, but we did True. like it. True. You want to do some? Uh, sure, I want to do some. I, I will say, by the way, that Ammonite is not getting good reviews, which really bums me out oh, from bummer. Toronto Film Festival because I was really looking forward to that. You know, I think that Trisha Ronan can do no wrong, and I love Kate Winslet, so I'm bummed. I'm still going to try it, but I'm bummed. Um, this one is already out for like, if you want to spend $20, but I'm not spending $20 for something. If I can't <laughs> eat deep fried cheese while I watch it and I'm not in somebody else's comfortable seat. So I'm calling it a preview for when it's not $20 and it's antebellum. I'm really looking forward to this. This is uh, Janelle Monet, uh, Jordan Peele produced a uh, horror movie that looks mind trippy and wonderful. And I'm looking forward to that. Also not um, getting great reviews, I've noticed. But uh, I know, but I'm yeah. going to try it anyway when it's not $20. Either totally. that or I'm going to have to deep fry some cheese in my air fryer. There you go. Um, it's, it's, it's a date, even if we have to watch it outside on a computer. Yes. Uh, Kajillionaire I am, uh, is Evan Rachel Wood, Gina Rodriguez, Richard Jenkins, and Deborah fucking Winger. Oh, and wow. they're con, uh, a con family, and they get a new cohort who is Gina Rodriguez. It's directed by Miranda J July, who lots of people seem to know who she is, and I do not. That is a crazy but, combination, yeah. She's a right? weirdo, so that's a funny mix of I am, director and actors. I, I think they're all weirdos, which is yeah. great. I'm excited for Gina Rodriguez. I loved, as you know, Jane the Virgin and her very first thing where she played the, like, I got kidnapped by a drug lord and then fought my way out thing. Didn't look interesting. So I'm very happy for her that she's doing this. I think she's super talented. I'm very excited for this. It's supposed to be out in theaters soon. I am assuming I will have to wait for it for video on demand. Um, but that's... We'll see what happens. Also, The Nest, which is Carrie Coon and Jude Law, which Carrie Coon is the only reason I'm excited for this. It sounds like sort of the Jude Law HBO show, the movie. Uh, it's about an entrepreneur and his American family begin to take a twisted turn after moving to the English to an English country manor. Uh, again, Carrie Coon, Jude Law doing like noir -y stuff. I can kind of take it. Um, I think those are my movies. Cool. Or my um, mainstream theater movies. 
And now we're going to do this sort of by uh, streaming service as much as we can. Um, We have Boys in the Band, the uh, second movie version of the famous play about self-hating homosexuals. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, It's a very problematic and yet at the time pioneering uh, story. Um, It is got a diverse cast. This is a Murphy production, and this is Joe Montello um, directing, who is fantastic. Um, It has uh, uh, Sheldon (laughs) in it, who's becoming a Murphy regular, Um, Rennells, um, and other people. (laughs) I'm forgetting. Anybody else I'm forgetting that's exciting? Off the top of my head, I can't. I know that there are more people that I was excited about, mostly. Oh, Matt Bomer. Yes. People like him. Mostly, I was really happy to see that uh, Montello was directing this. and Yeah, he's the reason I have hope for it. Me too. He's, Me too. Yeah, he's a smart director and has done a lot of good yep. theater, and I can't imagine that he would yep. do this just to do a paycheck. I, there must be something that he's doing that's interesting. Um, yep. Something called The Binding. It is a... Uh, horror movie set in southern Italy and you know what this is just on the list because I want to travel and, and, I, and I like horror movies so The Binding we got a date um, <laughs> Haunting a Blind Manor uh, this is the second um, you know thing by what's his name Mike Flanagan who did Haunting of Hill House which I was a bit disappointed in um, other people liked it. a lot um, this is taking on Turn of the Screw this time, that the Henry James novel, which was also made into the movie The Innocence, which is awesome. We've had enough of Turn of the yeah. Screw. Yeah, there was that terrible adaptation that came out end of last year. I'm just bored and desperate, so I will watch. I will try this. Uh, I thought the preview looked good, but then again, I thought Haunting of Hill House preview looked good. So. Right? Um, 40-year-old version not Virgin, Virgin, is uh, a movie that is getting a lot of buzz. It is about a writer who, you know, I think at 40 becomes a a woman who becomes a rapper. um, And it looks hilarious and it's shot in black and white. And it's this very sort of funny looking city comedy. A shout out to my friend Peter Kim, um, who I knew in New York. I'm Doctor Nears, but he's in this movie as the sort of, I don't know, I think some sort of agent producer, but he's featured uh, very heavily in the preview. So go Peter Kim. That's right cool. On. Yeah. Um, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, hunting based on uh, some book of sorts. Have you heard about this at all? Nope. It sounds silly. That title means on Netflix that it'll probably just be uh, tween garbage, but again, desperate. I'll try it. Why not? Um, Grand Army is a series about uh, Brooklyn public school kids. Um, I don't know if there's a huge pedigree, but I lived in Brooklyn. I'm often interested in stories about um, kids in sort of that situation. I think this could be interesting. Um, Thrillist um, it describes this thing someone has to die it's a series it's going to be on Netflix and Thrillist says from Manalo Caro creator of the House of Flowers comes a new telenovela about a family in 1950s Spain who requests their son living in Mexico come home to meet his arranged fiance but are shocked when he returns to the male dancer um sure I'll watch that <laughs> I'll watch that <laughs> that's got words I like yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, put together in some... I'm sure it's going to be silly and trashy and campy, but... Um, it's I'm a in. telenovela. That's fun. Yes, totally. Have, I can't remember. Did you watch Jane the Virgin? I did not. It's on Netflix, dude. Should, should I watch, watch that Jane one? It's so okay. good. 
You should watch. Is this, is this related the, to this in, in any way? Or no, no, you're no, saying no, telenovela. It's, it's okay. Telenovela. And I have not watched the last season yet because I'm saving it because I want something good in the world. So if you watch the first three, we can watch the last together. Nice. And then uh, my last thing for Netflix is a typical season four about um, a kid with autism who um, basically is just navigating his love life and his family life. I, this is sort of tied into my pop culture this week because I am staying at my sister-in-law's house and she introduced us to this a few days ago. She's a big fan and I enjoyed it. I certainly would check out more of it. I, I need to watch a little more of it. Um, if, you know, I, you've seen it, right? And you love it. And you no. talked about it probably. No, I, I haven't seen it, talked about it. Don't know oh, anything okay. uh, except that uh, the, the act, the actor from Bill and Ted's is in it and I've heard they're very good. Oh my God, they're so good. That's definitely one of the best parts of this show um, as a very protective sister of this of this kid. Nice. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee is the mom. I don't quite know what she's doing yet because she's sitting for Jason Lee and you're always like, what is she doing? I can't tell. You- <laughs> um, Michael Rappaport, wah, wah. he's like the most boring actor in the world. We're not Rappaport. Not he, is a, he is a charisma suck. He is. He is. I don't know why. He seems like a good guy. Maybe that's why he's so sort of steadily working. But yeah, he loves the housewives and he's often on Watch What Happens Live. There you go. Perfect. Um, We also have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and August Wilson adaptation. Hopefully it'll be better than the last time. Fences. Uh, We're looking at you. Uh, It stars Viola (laughs) Davis. um, George. He has kidney damage from trying to hold his pee when we saw fences. He's still angry. He's never forgiving Denzel Washington. I think Wilson is tough to adapt uh, yeah. cinematically, so we'll see how that goes. But it is George C. Wolf again, another great um, sort of New York theater director doing this. So could be good. Mank is a movie about the writing of Citizen Kane. Joseph Mankiewicz um, was the the writer of that, and it's sort of focusing on him. This is David Fincher. It's got Gary Oldman. This is probably going to be not my thing because of <laughs> those people. But I can't I, I, believe I'm going to say this because I have loved Fincher since Fight Club. I'm over Fincher. Yeah. I do not. I'm over him. He doesn't interest me anymore. I kind of agree. Sad to say that. I'm sad to say it about Oldman. I think Oldman seems like a nice guy, and I think he's super talented, but this does not interest me. And I'm so tired of retellings of fucking Citizen Kane and how it came to be. I don't care about Orson Welles. I don't care about Citizen Kane. I I agree with you. I think this may be. Yeah, it could be random. a shit show to watch out for. Yeah. We'll see. Exactly. Um, the, another Broadway adaptation, The Prom, which was a sort of queer musical uh, that sort of was a cult hit on Broadway. This is uh, Ryan Murphy again, directing uh, Meryl Streep Great and Nicole cat. Kidman. Um, this could be fun. I feel like oh, I, I'd excited. like to see Murphy in musical mode. Yep. Um, and then exciting. finally I have an animated movie over the moon. Uh, this is from former Disney guy, Glenn Keane, who did, I think like Tarzan, which is definitely not one of the better Disney movies of that era. Um, but the preview, for, have you seen the preview for this? It looks delightful. Like sometimes you watch a preview and you're like, "Yep, this is going to be a huge success. This is it. it. This is right." Um, What do you have for Netflix? Netflix um, movies drops today as we as we are recording this. Just so I know, we're talking about previews. This was is a preview for me until like nine o'clock tonight. This is a note. 
Enola Holmes, which is Millie Bobby Brown and Sam Claffin and Henry Cavell. It's a movie that I think, I don't know that it was originally slated for Netflix. I think it may have been an indie release. And uh, it's about Sherlock Holmes' younger sister searching for their mom. And it's getting good buzz. And I like Millie Bobby Brown and I like Sam Claffin. Henry Cavill's fine. He's got a square jaw. You know, I like that. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to this. I was excited uh, to see it was getting some good, you know, word of mouth. So yeah, yeah. yeah we'll and, probably I mean, talk about that next week. Yeah, exactly. All those actors are good. If I'm still awake and I don't pass out from my pingo claws, maybe I'll try it tonight. Um, <laughs> American Murder, uh, The Family Next Door. It's true crime. It's about the Watts family murder. This is dad called and said, my pregnant wife is missing with my two children. And it, then they found them all in oil cans and dad probably killed them. This is supposed to be actually, it's put together through mostly real footage from the time, and it's getting a lot of buzz for being very interesting and good. Um, and then for complete trash we <laughs> and escapism, and I would like to travel too, and nobody's sending me to County Cork or County Kerry, so I want to go to Paris with Darren Starr and Lily Collins, who actually is Lily Collins this time, not J Lily James, like I said last week. <laughs> um, uh, Emily in Paris, which is, uh, Darren Starr's follow-up to, uh, follow-up series to Sex in the City. And I don't know. Oh, this is first since that show? I think it's first series. Wow. Uh, at least like this. Um, I would have to check that out. Don't quote me on that, you guys. But, uh, it's about this young marketing specialist who lands her dream job in Paris. And I think romantic stuff ensues. I want to see Paris. I've, it's one of the few places I've been and Lily Collins doesn't suck completely. And Darren Starr can at least make you forget that the world sucks for a half an hour most of the time. So nice. I'm looking forward to this. Nice. You? Um, sure. I'll check it out. Um, yes. Why not? Uh, moving on to Hulu. Hulu was fine to, hard to find good information on as what's coming. I don't know whether they locked down their release kind of schedule or something. Um, there's something called Monsterland, which is an anthology series based on some books about lake monsters. I'm very confused and I can't find a great description of like what this actually is. Do you know more about this at all? I, I know Caitlin Deaver's in it, so I'm in because oh, Caitlin Deaver is awesome. Taylor Schilling, not so much, but sometimes you're <laughs> don't suck, I guess, kind of, if they don't mismanage you. But Caitlin Deaver. So I'm in, it's kind of spooky, has Caitlin Deaver. This was on my list as well. Is every episode a different lake monster? Is it going to be like no Loch Ness? Like, it's just hard to I imagine what it's going to be. No idea. No, I don't know. Uh, my other Hulu thing is a movie that I think was supposed to go to theaters called Bad Hair. It is about a woman who owns a killer weave. That's all I need to know. And that's all you yeah, need yeah. to know. You're Moving watching on. that. <laughs> what do you got on Hulu? <laughs> Me. On Hulu, uh, both of these are FX series that will premiere on Hulu the next day. Uh, a Wilderness of Error, which is from the producers and directors of The Jinx that was oh, on cool. um, HBO. And it is a reexamination of the very famous Jeffrey McDonald case and they think he might be innocent. I think he is not. So proof Change my mind. I'm the guy with the coffee cup and the, the table in front of me. Jeffrey McDonald super killed his family and then disappeared and married another family. Change my mind. Uh, <laughs> so they will 
they will attempt to change my mind soon. And Fargo. Fargo has become American Horror Story to me. I just watch to find out how long it is before I give up. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with this series. It's technically good. It always has a great cast. And sometimes during the series, I just forget to keep watching. And then I'm like, eh, forget it's too long. I don't care. I'm not watching anymore. This year has Chris Rock. I like Chris Rock. I would do this, but also has the added challenge of Jason Schwartzman. I know everybody in the world loves Jason Schwartzman. I can't stand that guy. He's kryptonite to me. I'm so I'm guessing it'll be three or four episodes before his smug punchable face makes me give up. And those are my Hulu FX things. Yes. He's hard. I agree. I don't love it. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because, because we, we disagree on Richard kind. (laughs) <laughs> we do. I and don't know I why I like Richard this, Kind. Yeah, I thought this might be a line in the sand thing, like Richard Kind. So <laughs> I am glad to hear, and I can still love you because Jason Schwartzman eats a punch in the face. Nice. Okay, on Amazon, we've got Small Axe, uh, a new anthology series movie. I'm not quite sure which it is, uh, by Steve McQueen, who directed 12 Years a Slave. Uh, it is sort of just about kind of West Indian kind of stories set in London. It stars John Boyega, uh, Letitia Wright, um, and who may be the next Black Panther, as Fanny pointed out. And I don't know. He's interesting. I want to see what he does with this. I love those two actors, so that'll be cool. Um, there's a sci-fi series called Utopia. There's a U.S. remake of a show from the U.K. It is about a comic book that predicts the future. Color me into that. Um, that's all I got for Amazon. What about you? I have thoughts on both of those. First off, uh, small <laughs> acts. I am determined to like more than I liked Widows because I want to like oh, and Widows. Work. Right. And, um, and I like certain pieces of it and some beautiful shots and i'm determined to like that more utopia i have seen a little bit of the uh uk original and it's great i'm worried about this remake despite the fact that john cusack is in it and i am also determined to always love everything john cusack does i'm worried about this maybe i'll watch the uk one first yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, the only Amazon thing that I could find that I was mildly interested in and main, mainly because of the cast and the producing house was The Lie by uh, P- with Peter Skarsgård, Marielle Enos, and Joey King come, uh, comes from Bloomhouse. And it is a remake of a German film about a family whose daughter's probably evil and kills her best friend and what they do to protect her. It's supposed to be a horror film. I am ready to watch this. That was my only Amazon that I could find. Nice. Yeah. There must be more stuff coming. We'll, we'll keep people updated as we find it because yeah, there's gotta be more Um, HBO. I just got a couple things. Season two of his dark materials. Um, when we get into, uh, what's the second one called? The Subtle Knife, the terrible name. Okay. Um, I'm curious about what uh, they do with that material. I really did like the first season. That we thought it ended really, I thought it ended really strong. So I'm excited to see where they go with that. Um, Agreed. The Undoing is some big prestige miniseries with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. It's some kind of thrillery uh, family thing, I think. I don't know. I didn't, it just, that, that pedigree, I was like, sure, I'm in. Why not? What else I got to talk about? Uh, What do you have for HBO or HBO HBO Max? (laughs) 
Yeah, HBO Max, I've talked about this before. I'm still looking forward to it. It's called The Flight Attendant. It has uh, Michael Huseman and Kaylee Cuoco. This is going to be one of those woke up in a pool of blood and can't figure out what didn't don't remember the last night and I have to figure out what happened movies. That's probably based on some novel that you'll forget the minute that you read it. But again, don't care. Michael Huseman hasn't been on my TV in long enough, so I'm going to look forward and watch this. Kaylee Cuoco, don't screw it up. Um, and then Murder at the White House Farm. Again, true crime. It's uh, about a murder, murder in 1985 in Essex. And the police investigation that followed. So did they or did they not screw, screw it up? I'm not real big on the police tonight. So hopefully, right. hopefully the Essex police are a little better. <sighs> that so, is my um, HBO Max. I got two for Disney Plus. Um, neither of which I'm especially excited about. But <laughs> again, they'll be on and we will probably watch them. Uh, Mandalorian season two. Uh, I'm giving up saying show Pedro Pascal's face. I just don't believe you're smart enough to do that. And Timothy uh, Oliphant. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently Boba Fett shows up this season. There's That's more Oliphant. Baby Yoda. I just, it's hard to think this is going to be better. I will say I watched the trailer, and it, it at least looked a little more expansive as far as kind of where they were and the settings. And maybe that'll help, because I just thought the first season was dull. Dull, dull, dull. I didn't even um, finish it. Yeah. I know so many people love it. Um, so I know many people are excited about season two, and I will certainly give it a try. Um, also, WandaVision, uh, which is one of the Marvel kind of TV shows that they're doing with Scarlet Witch and um, Vision, two of the least interesting characters from the MCU. Um, I will say I watched the preview, and I don't... Did you see the preview? I didn't. I will watch this merely because I love both both of these actors so much, and yeah. their past, everything they've done in the past, speaks so well to their skills that I will watch it. I will try it because I love them. And honestly, they didn't get enough to do in those movies, and so maybe this show will actually give them a little more to chew into. The fun thing about it is it, you know, eagle eye sort of viewers of the trailer are pointing out that this is some real. Get your nerd glasses out. Um, that there are all these references to the House of M, which is a famous kind of story that came out of this WandaVision comic, um, where she sort of is creating alternate realities. And so people are speculating that this might be how they introduce mutants, as in the X-Men, into the Marvel Universe. Fanny is passed out on the floor. We've got to scrape her off uh, from her stupor of talking about mutants uh, to tell us about what else is on. Do you have any... I have one last thing. It's a technical, it's like net, network cable. It is uh, Soulmates. This is Sarah Schnook and who from uh, Succession, who I just love. I think she's wonderful. Bill Skarsgård, who I also like a lot. Malin Ackerman. Why do they keep putting oh, her in stuff? She's boring. She I don't care. Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, who I do like. It's uh, based on a 2014 Australian series, and it's already been renewed by for season two by AMC, huh. and it hasn't even premiered. Um, this, I think they're terrified of what's going to happen after they finally double-tapped the increasingly terrible uh, Walking Dead. It's an episodic show billed as a build as kind of like modern love meets black mirror you take a test it finds you your soulmate 
hijinks ensue. Uh, I am, I am cautiously optimistic. I do like what AMC does. They have a good cast minus Malin Ackerman and cautiously optimistic. Nice. I put it on the DVR on, on YouTube TV. So we'll see what happens. Nice. Yep. I have a couple music recs. Uh, Bruce Wigzine, our one of our favorites on this podcast, has a new album. I think it's first with the E Street Band in a long time. Uh, Letter from Home. I believe it is a mix of older material and newer material, but all kind of recently played. I'm not sure if it was made in quarantine or how they did that, but um, I've heard the the first single from it is called Letter from Home, and it's very classic, Springsteen, booming, romantic. Um, I just, I need a little Springsteen right now, so I will happily take whatever he's doing. Um, I want to think that they are all quarantined together as a pod and that's how they're recording it. So they totally. have the entire band at his compound with Patty and that's a pod I would like to be in. That'd be amazing if they just redeemed <laughs> it like the E street pod. Um, yes. Totally. Uh, Shamir, who I've talked about endlessly on this podcast, has a new album. I believe I even played uh, a track not too long ago from this new album. He is moving towards a sort of more uh, rocky, kind of fully fleshed out, kind of almost grunge rock stuff. Um, I really like what I've heard so far. He's such an unusual, cool artist, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, Low Cut Connie. A uh, very fun pub rocky band uh, that has been doing amazing quarantine performances. The lead singer Adam Weiner is this great uh, sort of gender bendy Jerry Lee Lewis, but like sort of queer friendly, uh, just total you know charisma ball. Um, and he on this new album is doing lots of good sort of fun slinky kind of barroom vampy stuff he's a lot of fun um, and why idols. do you like him justin why why, why is it because of his nose oh he's got a That's- very attractive <laughs> nose i'm glad you remember that um i do oh i super remember <laughs> yeah um idols is a punk band of the uk uh they are super kind of clash inspired super political their last album from a few years back was just this crazy blast of just righteous anger uh i love the sound of what they do i love what they're saying um i think their best work is ahead of them so i cannot wait for this uh next album from idols um so yeah so that's it for fall (laughs) fall slash winter slash the end of this fucking terrible year uh preview hopefully we will get some of this stuff to make us a little bit uh happy um, cause who, who doesn't want happy things right now? Yes. Shocking. No one. I have no music that I'm looking forward to. Justin nice. will tell me what to listen to and I'll buy it. That's nice. what will happen. <laughs> um, and then for our final segment, uh, it is, uh, I did what you saw there where we talk about what pop culture we've been doing since the last time we talked. So what you got for us? Okay. So you went on a road trip. And I had nothing to do because it's quarantine. And I, I mean, I saw my people, but we watch stuff when I see my pod people. So this is, <laughs> this is gonna, I've got some stuff, you guys. I finally, uh, after what, it's been three years since, uh, this premiered on YouTube Red. I don't even think YouTube Red is a thing anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about YouTube Red. Uh, Cobra Kai. The executive producers on Cobra Kai tell an incredibly sweet and sentimental story. 
they are Ralph Macchio, Billy Zabka, Will Smith, and John Lasseter, which I don't know why John Lasseter, except good for you, John Lasseter. Uh, yeah, but Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka, of course, were in the first three uh, Karate Kid movies, and Will Smith uh, uh, produced his daughter in the new Karate Kid. So I love that they are the producers of this show. This show has a strange and kind of wonderful feel, feel to it. It's like everybody, it's a swear filled show populated by characters who are super flawed. They, they are both good and bad, except for uh, you, Sensei Kreese. You twirl that mustache, you fake your own death again, and you smoke a cigar inside and never fucking change because you're evil and we love it. Okay. But everybody else has like, like Johnny Lawrence is still kind of a meathead and calls chicks babes and drinks while he drives. But he also cares about his kids and his students and wants to do better than John Kreese did to him, but he doesn't really know how. And Danny of course has been great and successful, but he's also carries a, a grudge that may, that is controlling his life now. Um, it's super sentimental. There's all kinds of callbacks to every, th- every montage and every moment that you loved about Karate Kid. If you watched Karate Kid when you were young and it meant something to you, you're going to find all those moments in there and callbacks to them in a very sweet way. It's, it's very soapy. So there's fun stuff to follow that way. I think it's worth noting that Ralph Macchio is 59 years old. That is crazy. Zabka not looking much worse at 55. Even if he's blonde, there's hair dye. I still would. Um, so <laughs> Macchio, does, I would. Does the ghost I, of Pat Morita show up and watching no. them do dishes and like go no, like wash on, wash off. <laughs> I mean, the ghost, the ghost, yes, in a way. <laughs> Miyagi-Do is important to the story, and you see lots of pictures, and there's lots of flashbacks to the actual movies. But but his actual real ghost? No, it doesn't show up. Uh, okay, all right. I am excited for season three. I watched this literally overnight and in the morning, like within 12 hours. I watched all two seasons of this show, and I know I'm late to the party, but this was heartwarming and I really, really liked it. Now is season um, three coming soon? Should be at the beginning of the year. They say they've okay. got it filmed. They've got it edited. They're ready to drop it. So they, but they say 2021. Nice. Uh, on the flip side of things that I was looking forward to and didn't really live up to the hype uh, devil all the time on Netflix. This is based on a novel by Donald Ray Pollock called knock em stiff which is a town and it's huh. set in the South. It's starring exactly two American actors. That is Riley Kehoe. Thank <laughs> you. Elvis Presley's granddaughter and Haley Bennett. Also Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Mia Waskowski. Am I saying that right? I have no idea. Sure. Dudley Dursley. Dursley. Okay. Your real name is Harry Melling, but you're Dudley Dursley. Sebastian Stan. I understand that he is technically a, whatever someplace in the Eastern European American, but he does 
does oh romania parker is yelling at me from upstairs he's <laughs> from romania and america bill skarsgård and everybody's favorite black hole of charisma jason clark oh why do they put jason clark in things he i like him <laughs> he sucks the charisma out of the room he is terrible this is like southern war ish set in the like 50s and 60s right it's it's not good. It's not good. I, I kept waiting for it to get started. Everything feels like lead up. Um, Robert Pattinson plays a not great preacher. Everybody dies. It's, it's not, it's not good. Don't, don't believe the hype on this one. Cause I did and don't do it. You don't want to. Um, good to know. Yeah. On HBO, Matt, Dudley Dursley kills people. And we thought that he had come around because he left a teacup for Harry Potter and he didn't come around. He's bad. <laughs> uh, and there's a serial killer. Out of, for some reason, there's a serial killer. Gotta okay. skip all of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stop with, with the, it's just not good. Devil all the time, not good. Tom Holland, you're still adorable. Uh, on HBO Max, The Great Pottery Throwdown, which is... <laughs> Excuse me. I know. I know. <laughs> okay, but if you've ever watched and loved an episode of the great uh british bake-off have you if you have have. not yes did you love it there are lambs on a hill (laughs) it was okay there were lambs on a hill justin (laughs) outside the tent were lambs on a hill did you not notice that is this british as well it is british Okay. It is set in the town where basically like ceramics is what drives the town. It is the Great British Break- Bake Off only in a pottery setting. It is so sweet. All of the contestants help each other. The two judges care so much. And one cries when he finds something touching in the art of pottery. He gets <laughs> choked up. It's unbelievably sweet and i have to shout out to kiln master rich who takes all of these these prized pieces down to the kiln and hopes for them for the contestants and kiln master rich you're doing the lord's work you're a great guy there are three seasons of this watch the show on hbo max it will warm your heart it will make you happy it will make you believe that maybe we're going to be okay now, one question, is there a sensual pottery throwdown, and is the judge of that Whoopi Goldberg? No. Okay. Forget it, then. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to watch Ratchet on <sighs> Netflix. I I couldn't get through an episode of this show, despite the fact that it has Sarah Paulson, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Joe Montello. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, he's in that. How funny. Okay. Yeah, he's in it. I I did not like this. It was not only not not like Ryan Murphy crazy. It was boring and not interesting and unfocused. And that was just in the 30 minutes of the one episode I watched. I'm not going back. Also, who was clamoring for the origin story of Nurse Ratchet? Like, what? Right? Is this, are we really at that point here? Like, I don't know. Not me. Uh, On HBO Max, I did watch Coastal Elites. Okay. This starts out 
so performative and it's like every bad audition monologue that you have ever watched your friends do for you before they go to an audition. I didn't need to see Bette Midler perform a halfway decent one of those. It's <laughs> it's sad to see. It feels like they just grabbed it down and said, here, you know, we, this is, this is of the moment. Let's make this happen. And let's, it'll be super interesting. And, and it's not, and you can very feel this. I'm doing a monologue, the theater aspect of it. And I always have a problem with theater in filmed that way. And it's not great. It is all of the cliched reasons that, that they, the right hate us. And I Mm -hmm. understand that's the point. I, I get it but it's not cute and it doesn't raise any awareness. And at one point I actually made the note about Bette Midler's character of I'm a great rich person and I'm showing my power through culture that I can buy. And that makes me brave. And I just wanted to scream, shut up. Oh God. Her. And I love Bette Midler and I hate saying this. I, and I think she's really trying to do the Lord's work in the world and is a force for good. So I hate saying this, but it literally made me angry. I, I powered through, I got to, to, uh, Levy's and his was better. He plays an actor, a queer actor who has, sort of sold himself up the river to Hollywood to try and play a queer superhero. His is better. Sarah Paulson is okay. Good. I still like her. And then you get to Caitlin Deaver (laughs) and Caitlin Deaver is just such an actor. She's such a natural performer that even though I, I was done at this point, she had me crying she was engaging. I would almost say just skip to her part. There's this like cutesy tie in punch with her monologue that I wish they hadn't done. Uh, but she, Caitlin Deaver, man, give her all the parts make. I, she has such a career ahead of her. I feel like it is not hyperbole to say she is the next Meryl Streep. She is so amazing that even in this performative sort of, like gag inducing monologue fest. She's great. Nice. So we'll just watch that section. She's so good. Um, and then also on HBO max, I watched, we are who we are. Pronounce the director's uh, name that did Oof. call me by your name for me. Luca, Luca Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Thank you. Sure. I think he directs this entire series. Um, and also did some of the writing. It shows that he directed the series. This is uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, who was Eddie in the It duology. Uh, Jordan Christine Simon, who this is her debut credit. She's wonderful. Francesca Scorsese, that is Martin's younger da- youngest daughter. Wow. And Chloe, Chloe Sevigny. Always this is, good for Chloe. She's great. And you know I don't like her as a fashion person, but she's a great actor. Oh, totally. um, this is 
an eight series, an eight episode series. I don't know if it's just going to be limited or if they're trying for a second season. I don't know. Um, it's about a military family. It's two moms and a son who move from New York City to Italy because Seven Yee's character gets a promotion and she's going to be like the base leader. She's about to get a promotion to general. Um, Grazer's character's name is Frazier and he meets the other military bat- brats on base. Um, I have watched one and a half episodes so far. Say Luca's name again. Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Uh, he has such a wonderful, like, unpretentious but minimal style. And he just really allows the beauty of wherever he is to take center stage without telling you what you're supposed to feel about it. Um, he lets the characters just be in the story I love to watch his directing work. I, I think he is is so talented and brilliant and interesting. And he certainly has an aesthetic because if you look at Eddie from It, would you think that he looks anything like Timothy Chalamet or no. moves like Timothy? Oh my God, you could almost... His, Frasier, and Timothy Chalamet's Ilio, the way they kind of... You know that that confidence of movement of a seventeen-year-old boy that he captured with Ilio. Mm-hmm. He, uh, it, he gets the same thing with with uh, uh, Grazer's character's name is Fraser, and this is beautiful and it's good. And I really cannot wait. There's only two. I think there are only two episodes that have dropped for the other six episodes. I I get the feeling that it's kind of going to be the same amount of time told from different point of views just from the titles of the episodes but i could be wrong about that the first two definitely are nice that sounds totally worth watching so good and it's so worth watching on the absolute flip side i watched uh filthy rich on uh hulu slash uh fx this is based on a New Zealand series. It's completely vapid. It is about, you know, a family of evangelicals and it's supposed to be a soap opera. It can't decide what it wants to be. And so it's nothing. It's completely forgettable. It's fast food of entertainment. Kim Cattrall is wasted. Gerald McRaney isn't interesting. Juliette Lewis shows up in this for some friggin' reason and a whole bunch of other people that I have can't remember it's basically the head of an evangelical family dies in a plane crash or does he spoiler alert he does not they tell you that immediately (laughs) um and he turns out he had three illegitimate children and they bring them into the mix one of the one's an mma fighter one's a uh drug dealer he sells pot and one does internet porn so they're basically like Succession plus Empire plus Super Dumb. Yes. Do not watch this show. I will hat tip to Corey Coat and Aaron Lazar. You have lovely voices. Please go sing somewhere else so that I can hear you sing without watching this show. I <laughs> do not care. Um, sing on. Have you have you heard about this on Netflix? No. This is the voice meets the weakest link. It is like six people singing, basically karaoke hosted by Titus Burgess. 
now whenever I hear Titus Burgess, all I can hear is the song about I will pick up all my dog's poop, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. He, these six people sing up to four songs. They earn money for how good they are. And every round, every round they kick somebody off and it's delightful. It's sweet. It's quick. It's not pretending that it's going to make anybody a superstar. It's nice. so fun. Watch this show. Our friend Amy should watch this show. I think she would love it. Um, it's there's like eight of them. You're going to have, the, you know, they're half an hour. It's so it's delightful. It's sweet. It's very fun. Titus Burgess sings. He has a beautiful voice. It's great. Nice. Podcast wise. Um, I have because I have had so many thoughts about Lovecraft country and the, the book versus the show and, and the things that they're doing uh, HBO produced a podcast called Lovecraft country, which has a writer from the show, Shannon Houston and uh, Ashley C Ford, who I believe is a literary agent. I think that's how I know her. I believe she may also be a writer um, and they delve into the episodes. They re-keep, recap them. They go deep. I wish that what they had was a why we change this from the book section, because I would be very interested in it at the end of each episode. Um, they do uh, mostly uh, Shannon Houston gives reading assignments and watching assignments about here's what kind of made us feel from this. I don't know if I have the, uh, bravery to read this poem but i would like to do it and then i can later tell you to cut it out if i need to sure do it <laughs> never this cutting called, it out uh, yeah i know this is called conditions for a southern gothic and it was uh recommended for the first episode of lovecraft country by shannon houston uh i it is by ricky laurentis and here we go and i'm not sure that i even know what it all means but it stunned me Therefore, my head was kingless. I was a head alone, moaning in a wet black field. I was like any of those deserter slaves whose graves are just the pikes raised for their heads, reshackled, blue and plain as fear. All night I whistled at the sky that mocked me, that fluently changed its grammar as if to match desire in my eye. My freedom is possible, it said. As if my torn-off head in that bed swamped and whelming, then the water had one wish, and it did, and it did to think stranger stuff, to break that boring need to always have a shadow trail its maker. Such that, one, a shadow snaps, rising to kiss the head. Two, the kiss lands, the head flies up in an airy revolt. Three, cracked from the head come the crown crows of its thinking. Four, three crows move in ministerly against the, f the night. Five, and the head still singing, lost night, a Negro was axed. Who among us made to scratch a myth? Speak. If God made us in his image, it was the first failure of imagination. Ah, oh, what a great last line. I love that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So good. We got to find and out more about this poet. I, totally. And I'm not a big poetry person and I'm not sure I completely understand it. But when I read it, I had a very intense visceral reaction. And it and definitely it captures really, some of the show's DNA. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking so. of, um, did you want to talk about that last episode of Lovecraft Country? Sure, let's do it. Yep. Um, so this was uh, the one where we find out spoilers ahead for Lovecraft Country. Um, one uh, foxtail, two foxtail, three foxtails. Um, yeah, this was the one where we dive into Tick's uh, wartime experience and who's been kind of calling him mysteriously on the phone. Um, it was gory again. Uh, it was mostly about a different character um, that obviously tied into the main story. What did you think of this episode? Well, first, I'm, I don't want to be this person, but very first thing I have to say, this was created out of whole cloth. Wasn't anywhere near anything in the book. Really? <laughs> Which, again, I would be interested to know why they decided to include it. I don't know. Are they building for it so they can have another season? I don't know. Aside from the fact that it is created out of whole cloth, <laughs> um, I think Jamie Chung was very good. I found the story to be interesting. I saw where it may not have been for Justin. I thought the performances were very good. I, I gotta know what you thought. I liked it. I mean, it yep. was really gory um really gory like uh and especially the war crime stuff always gets me anytime they're in a you know hospital in a war zone i'm always like oh god you're gonna show something terrible and they did um but it was i don't know i thought it was really thoughtful i thought the relationship um with you know this sort of creature slash daughter and her mother was really intriguing um and just the, the interaction between her and Tick and the love story was sort of believable and yet yep. kind of, um, you know, sort of conflicted in a lot of ways. And I also thought it finally added a layer to Tick that I, I, I was waiting for. So I was just about to say that, yeah. that it showed the monster in Tick. Yeah. They've, they've kind of showed the monster in everyone else. N not Montrose. They've shown uh, the journey Smollett, the, 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 uh, the Letty character, they've shown her weaknesses that she doesn't necessarily believe in anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they built their, their love story there that you're invested in, but they haven't shown ticks monstrous side. And I thought, okay, we're going full spoilers. I thought the moment that he shot the best friend, I was horrified. Oh, completely. And yeah, and it broke and it broke my heart yep. because I because I had so much invested in Tick, yeah. And then they went ahead and sort of redeemed it. And I knew he didn't have any other choice, but it still sort of broke my heart. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I, I think this show is a bit of a you know uneven ride, but I am mostly really impressed by its ambition and scope, and I'm really curious to see how it wraps up. So yeah. I agree with you. And you might want to check out that Lovecraft uh, country radio. Uh, I know that recaps aren't always your thing, but the way that they delve into the, the story and, and the characters is very interesting. And nice. there is such a uh, person of color vibe to it and their understanding. And it's all about what it's like, to be a black person in this white America. And, and they don't hold back on that at all in this podcast. And I love it. Nice. I, just, I love that they're unabashedly about that. 
I really do. I will check that out, definitely, because yep. I need some good uh, some good content. On that note, I don't really have any uh, pop culture this week. I think I'm going to just table it for next week because we've been yeah, going fine. on a bit long. Um, I'm on a road trip seeing family. Um, I, I'm sort of slowly accumulating some stuff, but nothing I want to weigh in on quite yet. Um, totally. <laughs> uh, you have in here the sad news that Netflix canceled the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. I am nixing the universe for not giving me that happy thing. Um, Sorry. But it's made up for by the fact that tomorrow night, that is uh, Thursday, September 20, what is the date? 24th. Um, they are airing on Prince's official YouTube channel, the uh, Sign of the Times concert at Paisley Park from 1987, which is the one and only time that Prince performed with Miles Davis. I don't know how long nice. this is going to be online, but I am going to do everything to move heaven and earth to be able to watch this. Uh, I'm, this is a bit of a, you know, uh, holy grail of, of Prince vault material. So Aww, very excited about that. So I'll have some thoughts on that next week. Um, but Dark Crystal, I'm sad. We need more puppets. It can be your Santa Clarita diet that you exactly. bitch about for five yep. years. Yep. Puck's mad too for you. See? <laughs> very upset. Is, is Puck's uh, kicking off the Knicks here? Is that what, I, yes. what I'm hearing? She's saying, Mommy has a Knicks. Mommy's mad. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. I would like... For nobody ever in the world to record another version of Heart of Glass than Debbie Harry. In fact, I would like the 92 covers. I found a, I found a site on the internet that lists all 92 covers <laughs> of Heart of Glass to not have happened. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Giselle Bunchen. Did you know that Giselle Bunchen covered Heart of Glass? I don't even think I know who that is, but I'll take your word for She's it. She's a supermodel. She's married to Tom Brady, who is also a football player, sports ball. Anyway, also, he's probably a Trumper, so Ugh. she had sex with him and a child, and he left his pregnant wife for her. Anyway, moving on, she can't sing. She ruined the song. Nobody else gets to cover this song. And Miley Cyrus, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. I was not going to let the media tell me how to feel about you because woman power and all of that stuff. And it was just the media that told me you were bad and your tongue was nasty. Except now, <laughs> now, now you covered Heart of Glass. You did it poorly. You did what did she do this on? Where was this? I didn't even hear this. It's there. There was a YouTube video of it at a concert. <laughs> if I can find the clip, Justin will be putting it in here because she ruined it. And I'll have to tell him the moments where it just, it's bad to begin with, but then it gets like Parker and I played it in the car. And there's one point that she gets to that. We literally both went, Oh no. <laughs> now I'm very curious. It's, Stop covering Deborah Harry songs. Stop covering Deborah Harry songs if you have a three note range because she had a three octave range <laughs> and her songs are already perfect. Stop it. I'm not, I'm not here for it. <laughs> I you next karaoke any, people. Uh, you, exactly. Go sing on, sing on and do not sing Deborah Harry songs, specifically heart of class. Okay, Next over. All right. <laughs> good, good one. Um, so if you want to tell us what songs you never want to hear covered again, um, you can talk to us on Facebook for as long as we don't cancel it. 
Um, we are at the next podcast. So you can email us old school at motion and next at gmail.com. Um, you can talk to us on Twitter at the next podcast. Um, I'm at Justin Hartung on Twitter. I'm at Fanny V. Darling. And we will talk to you next time. We'll see you later. <laughs>